Have you ever been in, uh, in your car driving down the highway behind somebody who has the audacity to drive in the left lane only four miles over the speed limit as they pass other cars and you're just like seething? You're just like, get out of the way. What are you doing? I got to pass this jerk, right? Uh, you maybe don't use that word, but probably you do. It's probably a worse word. And so they finally get in the right lane, and you pass them, and you, like, stare them down, you know, because that'll teach them, right? <laughs> or worse, you tell them they're number one. You're number one. And you got the Great Oaks bumper sticker, or the Jesus bumper sticker on. Some of you are like, I took that off when I started flipping people off. I just, it was like either one, I chose flipping people off. That was a joke, but... um. <laughs> But have you ever done that, got really frustrated about that left lane slow driver, and you get past them, and your heart rate kind of goes down, you calm down a little bit, and you go like, why am I in a hurry? Like, why am I even rushing? Maybe you don't really have anywhere to go, you're not late, but you're just in a hurry to get nowhere. Just in a hurry so much that you're flipping out on this car, a slow car in the left lane. Hey, when I was a kid... Um, if you wanted to go to the theaters to watch a movie, uh, you, had to, you had to look first. You could look in a newspaper. Do you guys know what a newspaper is? Okay, I was just curious. Um, it's almost like a phone book, but a phone book's even worse. Like, have you seen? I haven't seen a phone book in like 10 years. All right. Some of you are like, I have a phone book. All right. You're behind the times. If you were looking at, if you wanted to go to the theater, you'd have to look in a newspaper to find out when the show times were, right? If you didn't have a newspaper, you were forced to call the theater. And if anybody in your town was simultaneously calling the theater to find out what the showtimes were, you would just, it would just beep at you, right? You would just get a busy signal like, nah, nah, nah. And you would have to play that game like 30 to 40 times, calling the theater, hoping that no one else is calling at the same time. And that's how you figured out uh, what time the movie started. Or you could just kind of show up and, and hope for the best. The best. There was a time when if you needed information, you either had a set of encyclopedias at home or you went to the library to figure things out. Now we have all the information there is to be had on our phones in our pockets. We are trained in our current environment that, that we can get whatever we want, whenever we want, as fast as we want it. Like there used to be a time where you'd be driving somewhere, and you'd hear a song on the radio, and you'd go, who sings that song? And then you'd have to wait until somebody remembered Right? Do you guys remember that time when you had to wait for information? Now we don't have to wait. Like, we don't even have to do anything special. You just open an app, hold it to the song, right? And it tells us who plays that song. Back then, you, you just had to, you had to wait. We live we're in a time where we can get anything we want at any time, any information we want. And because that's true, most of us kind of flip out when things take too long, longer than we expect them to take. Even secular scientists are beginning to tell us that our brains are being rewired because of current technology. Rewired in a way that we are some of the most impatient people to ever walk the planet. So I found myself with my phone, like, clicking on a link, and if it doesn't show up in about three seconds, I'm like, I'm out. Like, what is going on? 
I started asking, like, where am I? 1995? Like, how do, where's the LTE here? Did I walk through a wormhole or what? Like, how did I, how did I get back to 1995? Why won't this work? I'm out. I'm, I give up on links in like three, maybe four seconds. That's as long as I'll wait. Then you've got those incessant clickers that think that if you click it faster and more times, the link is going to work better. You know who you are. I live with one of those people. Yeah. I got to go. This is us. I'm in a hurry. I have to drive 90. Okay. But why? Why are you in a hurry? I don't know. I just got to go. I don't have time to talk about it, Pastor. I got to go. I'm in a hurry. And we're not just busy. I mean, we are proud of it. We wear busyness as a badge of honor. We think it gives us value to tell somebody when they ask, how's it going? To tell them, ah, I'm busy. Makes us feel vital, needed. What if I told you that your enemy's greatest tool to derail your life and keep you from success is not the temptation of lust, greed, pride, gossip, materialism, or or self-importance, but rather a temptation to go. To go and go and go and keep going, but never to be. Never to just be. Never to take time for what matters most. To rush from one thing to the next. To fill your life, your days, your hours, your minutes with stuff, with with anything really. From bad to neutral to mundane to good, but never best, never what matters most. I mean, how much do you have on your calendar? How much do you have on your schedule? Do you have any time just to be, just to think, just to rest? Do you have any time for what matters most? I mean, think about, think about this last week before you got stuck at home in the snow, before that. A normal week. How much time do you have? To just sit and be. 15 minutes in a week? All added together? 30 seconds here, 30 seconds there? Is it 30 minutes? This is us. And listen, it has almost nothing to do with the season of your life because I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Pastor, this is just my season. Like, I, it's just a season right now. I'm just in a season of busyness. Okay, when did that season start? When you were born? Because I don't think you can think back to a time when you weren't, like, in your adult life when things weren't busy. It's just a season, Pastor. I have a baby. I have toddlers. I have this. I have, it's just a season of busyness. Okay, well, what's the next season? I've talked to those people. Okay, I've got middle schoolers. It's just a season. I've got high schoolers. It's just a season. My kids play 72 sports at a time. I can't help that. You can I can't help that. I go from thing to thing to practice to practice to practice, game to game. No matter what season you're in, you're still busy. You go, my job is just so busy. I'm just in this season with my career. I just started college. I'm just in this season with college. It's just a season. We think when we get to some other season, it'll all slow down on its own and take care of of itself. But listen, beloved, that's not the case. 
Because I talk to retired people. And I say, hey, how's it going? And they answer that question the same way they did before they were retired. What do they say? I say, hey, how's it going? What do they say? Busy. Ah, so busy. There's so much stuff to do. I got to go here. I got to do this. Doctor's appointments, taking care of aging parents. Busy. Grandkids, projects. It's just busy. Going, going, going. Never stopping. Never being. This has nothing to do with your season of life. You have the same choice within each season. If you fill your life up with stuff now, overflowing with busyness and hurry in this season, then you'll make the same choice in the next one. It's a choice. It's a state of mind. It's a mode of operation. Busyness is an approach to life that finds its root not in what's happening to you, but what's happening in you. This is inward, not outward. Doesn't matter what season it is. So as we start 2019 with this focus series, we're, we're talking about focusing on what matters most. Not just good things, but God things, best things, spiritual habits and disciplines that if you focus on them, will form a path that will lead you to a person, Jesus Christ. You'll become more like Jesus in a significant way in 2019. Because when we get to 2020 and we look back on this year that we're going through now, when we look back on 2019, the only resolution that will matter is, is that resolution to become more like Jesus and be transformed by him in a significant way. But the question is how? Like how do we do that? There are so many different things we could focus on in our life, so many distractions, so many good things that take the place of God things. So what should our focus actually B. So we're going to talk in this series about an inward focus, an outward focus, and then kind of a together focus. What should those things be that we do together? So today is the inward focus. So we read this passage in 1 Corinthians 3 uh, last week, but let me read it to you again. It's kind of our anchor verse uh, for this, or anchor passage for this uh, series, starting in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It says this, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Verse 14. If the work that anyone has done or has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. So we're building on this foundation of Christ in our lives. And we can build our lives with a bunch of different materials. That's what this is saying, right? Like when we go to build our lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ, what are you going to use in order to build your life? Because you could reach and you could grab hay, you could grab straw, or you could reach and grab precious stones and gold. And the scriptures just said that what you use to build your life with matters to God. In the end, it will either stand the test of fire or it will be burned up and you will suffer great loss. So with that in mind, what should we focus on building our lives with? I'll mention quickly four inward focuses, but I'll spend most of my time just on two of them. 
These won't be surprising to you. Here are four inward disciplines that together form this path making you more like Jesus. Prayer, shocking, right? Prayer, fasting, meditation, and the study of God's word. Prayer, fasting, meditation, and the study of God's word. Prayer is communicating with God. That's the easiest way uh, to understand it. It's both speaking to God, asking God things, whatever, and listening to God, spending time in his presence. So prayer is communicating with God. We would have normally taken this whole message and talked just about prayer, but next month we're going to do a whole series on prayer, four weeks on prayer called Teach Us to Pray. The disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray, and he responded uh, with some good things that we need to know about prayer. And so we're going to talk through what it means, why we do it, how we do it, all of that. We'll talk about that. That's February. Don't miss that. Teach us to pray, uh, that series coming up. Biblically, fasting is going without food for a predetermined period of time in order to declare to yourself and to God your dependence on him for all things. That's what fasting is biblically, okay? So in many ways, fasting is kind of a forgotten discipline, forgotten spiritual discipline in our culture. So, so the question becomes like, have you, have you ever fasted for God? Not just fasted for like 12 hours to go do a test, uh, like a medical test, but fasted actually for, for God, for spiritual reasons. And if you have fasted for God for spiritual reasons, I mean, how, how often? How, is that like once or twice in your life? Is that something you do on a regular basis? Because it's a spiritual habit or a spiritual discipline that Christ followers are supposed to be engaged in on a regular basis, on a, on a regular basis. So I encourage you to do that. Fast from food, fast from a certain kind of food, from something you like to do, from, from social media, whatever. Something you, better, better yet, something you feel like you need something you feel like you can't go without, do, do that. Fast for a day, a week, a month, whatever. Fast in that way. For me, fasting is a scheduled thing. And just that's the way anything that is important to me is. If, if it's important to me, I will make a plan to do it, right? If it's not important, you won't make a plan. If you don't make a plan, it's not important. So uh, something that's important, something like this, it's, I have to schedule it to, to make it happen. A goal is only as good as the plan you make to get to that goal. And so for me, fasting is a scheduled thing. I schedule out three or four days, consecutive days uh, in a month that I try to fast. I don't always do it right. I don't always make it. Sometimes I forget and I eat a donut and I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to fast today. So then I eat another donut. I'm kidding. Uh, but I, I try to schedule it out in that way. Sometimes I'll fast at the beginning of a year for a longer time. Sometimes I'll fast right before a big decision. So I'm fasting and praying uh, for God uh, to, to reveal something to me. It's a spiritual habit that I try uh, to, to keep up. And here's, here's what I would say about that. I can tell you that fasting ha- has absolutely drawn me closer to Jesus. I have never regretted a fast. Like I've never fasted for God, prayed during that time, and at the end gone like, that was just a waste of time. Yeah, I wish I wouldn't have fasted this last two weeks and prayed and committed myself to the Lord. What a waste, right? Never done that. Never had that happen. It's always revealed. God has always been faithful to reveal things to me, to humble me, to answer my prayers, to show me things, to draw me closer to him. So you should try it. 
fast lunch or, or food all together or something, like every, mo- every Monday or every third Tuesday or whatever, put it on the calendar, make a fasting plan, be intentional, establish this new spiritual discipline in 2019 and watch what God does. Let's just do an experiment. Just watch what, watch what God does. So there's prayer and there's fasting, but I want to spend most of our time today uh, talking on the last two, meditation on and study of God's Word. And, and I'm going to talk about them like they're one thing, both meditating on and studying God's Word. So we're talking about establishing the spiritual discipline, the spiritual habit of spending effective regular time in the Word of God, not just studying it, but even more meditating on it. But it may help you to think of it this way. These are two sides to the same coin, these two disciplines. Um, Spending time in God's Word is the coin, is the discipline, but the two sides are study and meditation. And so studying God's Word is about Finding out what it says. That's what studying God's word means. It's about finding out what does the word of God actually say. What does it say? So, so not what does it mean to you. Not what does it mean to me. I'll be honest. It doesn't matter what it means to you. It doesn't matter what it means to me. It only matters what it means. Are you tracking with me? It only matters, it means, there's not multiple meanings of God's word depending on the person you talk to. That's not the way it works. The, the God, the God's word means something. Now, now, application, how does this apply to me? Now that, yeah, sure. How does this apply in my life? How do I move forward in this and apply this to my, a- absolutely. But it doesn't mean different things to different uh, people. So this is about taking the time to read the Bible in its context because that's what matters. Instead of like this soundbite kind of methodology that a lot of our culture, a lot of our Christian church culture has, where we like to pluck a verse out of its context because we like it and it makes us feel good, and our next thing is to post it. And so we, we pluck it out of its context, ooh, that sounds good, and we throw it on social media, and we don't even look at what it actually means at a deeper level. And so the questions become things like, what do the verses before and after what I'm reading say? What do the chapters before and after what I'm reading say? How does what I'm reading fit in the larger context of the story of redemption through Jesus Christ that the Bible is telling from cover to cover. So studying God's word is about finding out what it says. Meditating on God's word is about finding out what to do about it. Meditating is about finding out what do I do about this. So, so meditation, listen, comes through study. Meditation comes through the the doorway of study. It starts with study. We don't meditate before we know what it says. First we find out what does it say. Then we meditate on it to find out what we're supposed to do about it. But the question becomes like how do we meditate? Like like practically, how how do we do this? How do we actually 
meditate. Let me just model this for you real quick. You actually can do this in your seat with me right now. We'll just kind of practice meditation for a moment. If you're watching online, you can drop to your, to your living room floor or whatever, and you can do this with me. But here's what meditation is. So you just got to gotta sit like this. So this is kind of the way it works. So you got to kind of, um, kids call this what, crisscross applesauce. Somebody's with me, all right? Crisscross applesauce. You guys doing it? Okay. Um, so you, you sit like this if you want to meditate. You put your arms like this. And then you got to touch your thumb and your index finger together. You hold the other three together. And if you do it like this, that's bad, okay? So you don't want to do that. You want to do it like this, and you hold it out like this. And for meditation, you got to close your eyes. And you guys with me? All right. Why aren't you doing this? Yeah, close your eyes. And then this is really important. Here's what you do. you got to go, hum. It helps if you can sing, hum. Why aren't you doing this? No, I'm kidding, right? But that's what we think of when we think of meditation. Because what we think of in our culture when we say the word meditation is Eastern meditation. Eastern meditation meditation. And, and some have even gone as far as to say that meditation is not in the Bible, that we shouldn't practice meditation because it's practiced in Eastern religions. Those people are wrong because it shows up in the Bible over and over and over. It's a very biblical thing. Before it was a practice among other religions in the East, it was a spiritual discipline of those close to God. In fact, back in Genesis chapter 21, first book of the Bible, uh, we find Isaac practicing this, this daily meditation, this habit of meditation, just before he sees Rebecca, who would become his future wife for the first time. And then the Psalms, the book of the Psalms, are, are chock full of, re of references to meditation. Let me just throw some of those out at you. The very first Psalm uh, says, this, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, or stands in the seat of sinners, nor sits in the seat, uh, stands in the way of sinners, sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his delight, he, on his word, I'll get this one time, on his law, he what? Meditates on day and night. Meditates on the law day and night. Psalm 19 says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 49.3, the meditation of my heart shall be understanding. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. Psalm 77, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and what? Meditate. You guys are really doing great this morning. Meditate on your mighty deeds. Psalm 104, may my meditation be pleasing to him for I rejoice in the Lord. Psalm 119 has tons in it about meditation. You can read it some other time, but look at verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. And then verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers for your testimonies are my meditation. You see what I mean? It's all over. 
But it's different than Eastern meditation in this one very important way. Eastern meditation is about emptying your mind. That's what Eastern meditation is about. Emptying your mind. It's about thinking of nothing, like a blank page. Breathe deeply and think of nothing. Nothing at all. It's about losing yourself, your identity, into what's called the the cosmic mind. It's about detaching from this world and the desires found there. Detachment. And that's where it ends. It ends with detachment. That's Eastern meditation. But biblical meditation is about emptying yourself of the world. It's about detaching from the world, detaching from sinful desire, detaching from worry, detaching from selfishness, all of those things. But only so that you can attach yourself to Christ Jesus. Do you see the difference? And so biblical meditation is not just about emptying yourself out. It's about attaching to to Jesus. You don't stop with just emptying yourself. In fact, Jesus said to empty yourself of bad things and not fill yourself up with the only one who is good is actually a pretty dangerous thing to say. He was talking about uh, spiritual matters. He was talking about demon possession, and he said that If somebody clears out an unclean spirit from their soul but doesn't fill it up with the Holy Spirit, then that unclean spirit goes out, finds other unclean spirits, comes back to the person he was first possessing and finds that soul like a house clean, well-swept, well-kept, and empty. And he takes up residence in it with his friends. And Jesus said the, the latter state of that person would end up being Worse than the former state of that person. The the latter state, the last state would be worse than the first. So here's what I'm saying. Biblical meditation is not just about emptying your mind of the world, but about filling it up with God. That's the difference. Filling it up with his word, with his promises, with his law, his, his truth. But it's more than just that even. It can't just be about your mind. It can't just be about your thoughts. You can't leave it lofty and separate from life. Remember I said that studying God's word is about finding out what it says. But meditation on God's word is about finding out what I should do about it. So one more scripture I want to talk you through is Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. So The first five books of the Bible uh, are what's called the Torah or the Pentateuch, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's the Torah or the Pentateuch. And those are most likely written by Moses, right? So Joshua is the sixth book of the Bible just after Moses has died. And so basically Moses has led uh, the people of Israel against Pharaoh out of Egypt. They've wandered around the desert for 40 years looking for the promised land, trying to get to the promised land. Finally, they make it to the promised land, but God does not allow Moses to enter the promised land. He dies on a mountain after seeing it. And his second in command, a guy named Joshua, is made to be the leader of all the Israelites. That's, that's what's happening. And so Joshua becomes the leader. And here's what it says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. 
Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. From the wilderness... In this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to Give them. Okay, so God is promising Joshua that things are going to work out, right? He's going like, it's okay, Joshua. Like, I'm going to be with you. Like, you can be strong and courageous. No man will be able to come against you. Like, Joshua in this moment is absolutely terrified. He's got to be. Because do you guys remember what Moses did? I mean, this dude, if you read about Moses, this dude is a rock star. Like, he is, like, performing crazy miracles, calling down plagues. I mean, the Bible says that he talked to God as a friend. I mean, Moses was this incredible prophet, this incredible leader. I mean, he would, he would meet in this tent called the Tent of Meeting, and he would have these conversations with God. And while Moses was in the Tent of Meeting, a miraculous, like, pillar of fire or pillar of smoke would guard the entrance to the meeting, to the Tent of Meeting. I mean, it's crazy, right? I mean, this guy was a rock star. If you're Joshua, you're going, I am terrified. Like, I, don't, I can't be Moses. I can't do those things. I mean, this is the guy who, like, left for a couple days, went up on a mountain, and came back with tablets of stone that God had written on? I mean, that's nuts, right? So Moses is terrified, or I should say Joshua is terrified, and then God speaks to him and goes, be strong. Be courageous. I will not leave you or forsake you. Just like I was with Moses, I will be with you. You will succeed, he says. But then there's this kind of big if in there. Look at verse 7. God is still speaking to Joshua, and he says, Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. God says to Joshua, you you can be strong and courageous because I have success planned for you. I will be with you. No man will be able to stand up against you. Just don't let my word depart from your mouth. Meditate on it. Know what it says, but not only that, do it. Don't just know it, but do it. It's as if God is saying, this is the key. I've I've given you my word. It's written down. This is my mercy to you. This is my grace to you. You simply have to meditate on it, study it, meditate on it, and do what it says. This is the key to your success. If you do it, you will succeed, he says. So let me, let me connect the dots here for you a little bit. What, 
what does meditation or meditating on God's word have to do with success? Like, what do those two things have to do with each other? Well, it depends on how you define success. Like, if success to you is just like a bigger house, a nicer car, or getting everything you want, then nothing. Meditation has nothing to do with success. If success to you is moving up the corporate ladder or having more money or having an easy life, then nothing, nothing. So this depends on how you define success. But if you're a Christ follower, then you define success in one simple way. Success is obedience to God's word. That's success. That's it. You want to succeed? Success is obedience to to God's word, being faithful to do what God has told you to do. No matter what you get in this life, no matter how difficult or how crazy it sounds, success is obedience to God's word, period. That's all it is. And biblical meditation is taking the time to understand God's word and to obey it. To understand God's word and obey it. That's what biblical meditation is. So if you want to succeed in 2019 in the only way that matters, if you want to succeed in your life, if you want to have a life that matters, if you want to succeed in your family life, if you want to succeed at church, if you want to succeed at your job, if you want to succeed in the, on the mountaintops and the valleys that will come in 2019, if you want to succeed, if you want success, then your focus should be on starting, establishing, maintaining, and protecting the biblical spiritual disciplines of studying God's word and meditating on it. I mean, that's what God said to Joshua, right? I have success planned for you. You just have to know the word and do the word. You just have to meditate on it. Don't let it depart from your lips. Don't go to the right or to the left. Don't deviate from it. Just do it. Just do the word. If you'll do that, Joshua, then I'll give you success because those two things are connected. Success is obedience to God's word. That's what he said to Joshua, and I believe that's what he's saying to you and to me today. I believe this to be true in the deepest part of my soul, but my heart is so heavy for you this morning because you know what cannot coexist with the kind of meditation that we're talking about? Hurry. Busyness. Your insatiable desire to go and go and go and go and never to be. To go from thing to thing to thing but not spend any time on the thing that really matters. To go from practice to practice to practice, post to post to post, place to place to place. To fill your life with stuff, good, bad, mundane, some of it neutral, but not best. Good things, but not God things. 
What if I told you that your enemy's greatest tool to derail your life and to keep you from success is not the temptation of lust, greed, pride, gossip, materialism, or self-importance. But the temptation to go. Something to think about. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word that speaks to us so clearly. Thank you, God, for who you are and what you've done in our lives. And I just pray, Jesus, that Holy Spirit, that whatever was of me today would quickly be forgotten and fall to the wayside, but whatever was of you would be remembered many days, many weeks, many years past this day. Lord, I pray that you would just help us. How do we do this in a, in a culture that is just so full of nothing, just full of stuff that doesn't matter? I pray, Lord, that you would help us figure this out that by your spirit, by your resurrection power, we would see clearly how busy we are, how silly it is, how wasteful it is, how devastating it is to our souls and the souls around us, the ones that we influence, the kids in our lives, the peers, the family, the lost. I pray that you would speak to us so clearly today and that you would birth within our hearts, within our souls, uh, instead of this insatiable desire to go, we would have this insatiable desire to know you, to know your word, to study it, to meditate on it, to do what it says. I pray for those in this room who have never given their life over to you. I pray, Jesus, that in this moment, you would help them to take the first step of obedience. If they want success, if they look at this and go, yeah, obedience to God's word, that makes sense. That is what defines success. And yet, they've never given their life over to you. I pray, Jesus, that today would be the first step of obedience, that their first step of obedience would be to surrender to you completely, to give you all of their hopes and dreams and desires, their struggles, their shortcomings, their doubts and their questions, that today would be that day, that when they look back in 2020, they look back on 2019, that they would see themselves growing closer to you in a significant way, but but that they would look back on January 13th, 2019 and say, that was the day when I took my first step of obedience and I gave my life over to Jesus Christ. I pray, Jesus, that today would be that day for many in this room who have yet to take that step. Thank you, God, that you make a way. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you fill the gap. I pray that you would do that. We trust you and we give all these things to you. We love you. Thank you, Lord, that you are in this place, that you met with us again today. It's in your holy name that we pray. Everybody said amen. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to sing one last song. We've got prayer workers on the side that would love to pray for you. If you have yet to take that first step of obedience and 
giving your life over to Jesus, just slip off to the side during this song or after this song and pray with one of those people. We would love to do that or pray with them about anything. But here's, here's my prayer for us today. May you find a way to slow down long enough to study and meditate on God's word. May it lead you to do what it says. And may you find success in the only way that matters. God bless. If you've not been plugged into a life group, I encourage you to talk this over with a life group this week. So go and talk to somebody at Connection Central and get plugged in. We'll help you with that. As always, my challenge to you is that you wouldn't let this stop with you. That just like you were helped to take your next step towards God today, you would go out and help others take their next steps towards God. Be a Jesus follower who makes and disciples other Jesus followers. God bless. See you next week.